The Start On Demand. demand. Hey, hey, it's GMAC. It's The Start Podcast. Thanks for taking some time with us. Thanks for downloading, sharing, and of course, subscribing to our daily podcast, which brings you the best from our program from 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on 680 CJOB. Of course, our big story on the podcast today is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Calgary Stampeders face-to-face, head-to-head, McMahon Stadium, Sunday afternoon, 3.30 kickoff, or thereabouts, as the Blue Bombers look to head back to the Grey Cup since 2011. It's the first time these two teams have faced one another since the 2001 Grey Cup and the disappointment of that championship game. We'll get you all ready for the game with Bob Irving, and also predictions from you, our listeners. We're going to get you ready for Christmas. Yes, that time of the year is not too far away. Anna Olson, author, television host extraordinaire, she will tell us how to get ready for the holiday season, whether it's for baking, cooking, maybe a little bit of both, and some tricks for making sure December 25th, Christmas Day, isn't so stressful for you as you get ready to make that big meal for your family. You know, the one that takes three days to prepare and 30 minutes to eat. Lots of great tips from Anna. And we'll also visit with Nikki Reitmeyer, the future of the Olympics after Calgary says thanks, but no thanks to the Winter Olympic Games in 2026. And we'll also hear from Scott McTaggart, owner, waiter, Fusion Grill on Academy. He'll tell us about what restaurants are doing to ensure environmental responsibility and sustainability for the planet. That and much more on this edition of the Start Podcast. Let's get her going. Craig Mackling, Loren McNabb, it is the start and the Radio Fun of Hope and Healing gets underway in earnest at 9 o'clock this morning, but we're going to kick things off a little bit earlier and have a conversation with... Well, a really good friend of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. So good. He's actually the the board chair. Neil Dubov joins <laughs> us in studio this morning. And Neil, thanks so much for your time, the, all the energy, the effort that you give to the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. You have a lot of strains and a lot of responsibilities in your life. Why do you give this time that you do to the foundation? You know, you know the work that I do is really... Uh, a, a symbol of what most Manitobans do. Manitobans are really, really generous people, and uh, I'm proud to be able to be part of that generosity and the work that CJOB does in putting this on, the work that the Vicar Group does, the work of all of our sponsors. That's what. That's a symbol of what this this province is. This province has generous people, and and for me to do the the little work that I can do to make this province a better place, to make the St. Boniface Hospital a better place, I can. I'm very proud of that. And I'm proud to be associated with with the Vicar Group, with CJOB, with the hospital, because it's the great generosity of these groups that make our province and our city and our hospital so great. We were talking off air just about the idea that you don't know. What your hospital, you know, you can't, you can't rate a hospital until you've had to sit in that hospital bed or gone to visit a relative in that bed. And you can, you can talk about the devices that you need and the different surgeries you might need, but it comes down to quality. And so when, when you think of the one thing that you want people to think of this morning as they consider donating, what would it be? The, the, the work that the foundation is doing is really going and bringing in the extra things that the 
system needs, whether it's special equipment, whether it's the research that we do, whether it's delivering a flower today to to a patient with with the donations that are given. It's the extra things that the foundation does that um, that makes this place so special. Uh, the foundation is supporting the 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 work for for the hospital, the fantastic research that takes place at the research center, and 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 those are the things that are being supported today with the donations by 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 your listeners, um, and 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 it's those things that make this radiothon and the St. Boniface Foundation so special. We did a special edition of the health report two Sundays ago, and we told the story of the Faye family and and. Um, Micheline Fay spoke on behalf of her family. Her dad, uh, Gerald, passed away at St. Boniface Hospital the same day that her nephew was born in the hospital. And her father stayed alive long enough to hold his oh. grandson in his arms on his chest. That's a beautiful story. And I called it the circle of life yeah. edition of our program. And I know I lived that circle of life just for six years apart because my twins were born and spent a month in the NICU. And then my hero, my mentor, my grandfather spent his last 10 days of his life and grateful for the care for every minute of the last 10 days of his life at St. B. And so when you see the, the dichotomy and all the care that takes place in between, it's impossible to not know someone who's been affected and received care at St. Boniface Hospital. Well, that's a great story to share there, Greg. I, I thank you for sharing that with your listeners and with, with us at the St. Boniface, because it's stories like that that bring home the special work that takes place at the hospital. And, and I don't want to forget the research that takes place at the research center as well, all of which is funded by uh, our great donors, uh, the donors who will be coming out today, whether it's phoning in to, to, to your station, whether it's coming to the atrium at the hospital, uh, uh, people, people will be be giving today because they understand the importance of giving, and they and they they have that core generosity as Manitobans. We always talk about our tax dollars and what we think our tax dollars should go to towards health care, and, and a lot of people like to put the onus on government all the time. But the the fact remains, there's not enough dollars to go around, and we hear that over and over again. No matter who's in government, no matter, matter the party in power, no matter how many people live there and, and give some parts of their taxes to health care, there's just not enough dollars to go around. So it, it, it bears reminding that it, the hospitals can't function without something like the Radiothon and without donations. That, 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 that's right. The, the, the partnership that the foundation has, has put forward with the, the government of Manitoba, uh, regardless of, of who the government is, uh, really ensures that 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 extra piece of, of of quality of care comes in through the through the donations. Uh, the, the government provides great service in this province, and the St. Boniface Hospital and the other hospitals really try the foundations try and make sure that we get that extra bit that Manitobans deserve and demand. And uh, and 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 it, it really is. I keep repeating about the donors because they're really the heart of this. The Manitobans are the heart of this whole program, and and and. Th- the, we wouldn't be able to reach out to them without the the good work of CJOB and the Vicar Automotive Group, who who were very thankful for the support of both. 
Who are, who are you hearing from on days like today? Like I, you, you, you had a couple stories already this morning of people who've had experiences at St. Boniface Hospital. Six years ago tonight, I was on my way to St. Boniface Hospital to give birth to my second child and uh, was was couldn't, couldn't say enough about how great the people were there. And just, you know, having a baby, it happens all the time, but it, until it happens it's to you. It's your experience. Exactly. And it, uh, the people can make a huge difference in anything from an amazing moment to uh, a death in the family and all the rest. And so I know for me, those are the things I think of when I think of the hospital. But are there people who are donating today because they've had a great experience or they're thinking about the possibility of we're all going to end up in a hospital someday for whatever reason, and therefore I want to give? You know, you're never really sure what motivates people. I think it's in some cases it's just a core core, core, core philanthropy. But I think that every many people are touched by it, whether it's the beautiful story that the both of you told about your children being born there or, or the, the passing of life that goes on. St. Boniface touches people's lives, and they touch people's lives, whether it's, whether it's the, the, the beginning of life or the ending of life or, or something in between. The St. Boniface touches many, many people in this province. And, and because of that, people, people understand that through their generosity, they can make the experience that much better. Uh, and, and, and they understand that and, and they do and they hopefully will continue to go into their pockets today and, and make that extra donation to make the experience even that much better. So many people begin their life, extend their life and their life at the hospital. And if I may channel my Grammy, she always said, good, better, best, never let it rest till the good get better and the better best. And we're trying to make the good services better, the better services best and take things to a whole other level to kind of bridge the gap. And that's the responsibility we're taking on today with your help, 204-237-7647, if you'd like to give by phone or go online, St. Boniface, S-A-I-N-T, boniface.ca, and you can give online. Neil Dubov, thank you for this time, and uh, thank you for partnering with us here at 680 CGOB, our uh, sister stations, Peggy at 99.1, and of course, Power 97. Thank you for trusting us with this special day for you. Thanks. Greg, thanks to you and thanks to the Vicar Automotive Group. Have yourselves a really great day. Neil Dubov will be hearing some incredible stories throughout the day. It is the Radiothon of Hope and Healing for St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. Loren, I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah, well, I'm always hungry. <laughs> And sitting in this chair, I'm channeling my inner Brett McGarry, yes. who always talks about how much he, he's hungry. I'm ready for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the tree up, but it's coming. Once the snow comes, you start yeah, to feel that. It's little time, bit of, right? And I just was... Uh, Spent the weekend with my sister and family, and so we started talking about making plans for Christmas and what you're going to do and what, who will do which meals and all the rest. And so I haven't reached the stress point of that comes every year with Christmas. I'm in the excited for Christmas. Phase, well, next or the week, holiday season. I think next week is already American Thanksgiving. That's right. So as Anna Olson might say, the holiday season starts basically with the first pumpkin pie of the year. And for a lot of us, that's our Thanksgiving. I think that's a stretch. But U.S. Thanksgiving, I think that's a great demarcation point for the beginning of the holidays. Why do I reference Anna Olson? Well, because she's in studio with us today. She's in Winnipeg. Book launch tonight at McNally Robinson. Anna, thanks for taking some time for us here at CJOB. Well, thank you for having me. It's a treat to be here. Well, we really appreciate it. You are an icon in this country as it pertains to cooking. I have a question for you right off the bat here. My grandmother who uh, better be sleeping. Hopefully she's not listening to this. Um, 
She is a marvelous baker. She can bake anything, but she cannot cook for beans. What's the difference between cooking and baking? Well, it's, it is two different parts of your brain, I find. And cooking is the wavy line. You kind of go and adjust as you go, where baking is a little more linear. You have to like the measuring and the precision. And there, but there's a zen space to that. Mm. The rhythms and the method is so important in getting the end result. So you it's have not to only measuring. I was just going to say, yeah. it's not only measuring the ingredients, right? It's doing in the proper order, top, proper fashion. But even more so, that's where the Zen space is because all you have to do is follow the instructions. Just go with it and let it be. <laughs> it's true. I, I love to cook, but I can't bake because I'm always, I'm always operating on the ish side, like, you know, a pinch of this and a drop of that. No, we'll just fix that. In, <laughs> we'll fix that in post kind of thing. You'll like, fix we'll, it later. Yes. And you cannot do that. No. Yeah, once it goes bake. into the oven, you relinquish control. So it's it's a good trust exercise. So your book that's out is set for the holidays. Yes. Recipes to bring comfort and joy. Yes. For you, what's the comfort food this season? Um, there are some trendy flavors. I'm finding chestnut is the hot flavor of the holiday season this year. Like, And you're not just talking about sprinkling in nuts into something? You're no, saying working actual... chestnut puree yeah. or roasting chestnuts over an open fire. You know, we talk about it, but it, as an ingredient, it's actually quite popular. Um, but the, the important thing about the holiday season is now's the time to start making things when you have time. You just mentioned you haven't reached your stress point mm-hmm. because... You're not there yet. So take advantage of this time and make appetizers ahead. Pop them in the freezer. Make cookies now. Pop them in the freezer. So when you get to that point, when you realize all of a sudden I'm out of time, boom, there they are. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to admit we started cooking our turkey the day before Christmas. Mm -hmm. We cook it on the 24th when you're kind of tidying up the house Mm -hmm. and getting ready for everything. And then we'd cut it up and then we just kind of put it in the oven on Christmas Day to serve it that took away so much stress on Christmas Day. Is, is that an acceptable cheat, Anna? 100% because then no one, no one person is left in the kitchen responsible for juggling the turkey and the gravy. And something I mentioned in the book is you pre-blanch your green vegetables the day before because this is what a restaurant would do. So you blanch your green beans or your Brussels sprouts. You keep them in the fridge, so all you have to do is rewarm them. Can so you even do, like, if you do mashed potatoes and stuff, like, it's like the, my whole brain is exploding now where I'm like, what else should I be pre-cooking there, I have before a tip, this big meal? I have a tip for mashed potatoes. Now, those you don't want to do a day ahead. Okay. But you can do them hours ahead, and what you do is you make your mashed potatoes while you have the time. You get them in into a metal bowl. You cover the bowl with plastic, and that pot that you boiled the potatoes in, fill that with an inch or two of water, put it back on the stove on low heat, set the metal bowl over the potatoes. They'll stay hot for two hours. Give them a stir once or twice. And then and mash them when it's time. No, already, oh, mashed. already mashed them. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. You're not even worrying about that. Oh. You did that. You made the mess so and not, you've already cleaned it, it up. It's the mess. I, I always find that I was, the, that I'm, um, as organized as I can be, mm-hmm. there's always these last minute things. And then you find yourself in that kitchen, like sweating and worried that things are not going to all be hot at the same time. Well, and that was my next question. It's, it's about art. the hot. It's yes. an art. Is there a trick in keeping things hot? Like, are you in favor of the stack the dishes and kind of keep the gravy on the stove and come and set up a buffet line that way? Is that a little too informal on Christmas Day? Oh, I don't find. Well, it depends. Right, of the, course, you, who of your how, lifestyle. Yeah, but. and your family. But I'm, 
what I think is important is picking the proper menu. And what I try and do in the book is the first half of the book is all based on menus. So the dishes are coordinated. So you don't all of a sudden get through your holiday meal and have five dishes that belong on the stove when you only have four burners or everything is in the oven and the turkey is taking up all the space. So you have to balance between the stovetop, the oven and use those tools. So having looking at your menu and what those dishes are will definitely help you. The most important thing about today, in addition to our lovely guest, Anna, is the fact that we've got food in the studio. (laughs) And we need to mention that quickly because Shell did a wonderful job bringing this in. And what are we looking at here? Because we talk talk all about meat and the big staples Mm -hmm. of Christmas Day, but the vegetarians... Uh, are increasingly coming to the table. So what's this dish I'm looking at here? Well, yes, if you're entertaining a big group and there is a circle that's wider than you normally are used to entertaining and um, vegetarian or just vegetable alternatives are really popular. So my mushroom wellington is a great way to make a dish that can be served as an appetizer. And I'm not saying just for vegetarians. This is mushrooms sautéed with brie, a little bit of brandy in there, fresh thyme, baked in puff pastry, so that you have something beyond a turkey to present and have that ta-da moment at the table. And I can pre-make this. Yes, you pre-make it and reheat it, and everybody's happy. We've got eggnog buttercream sandwich cookies, some spiced holiday granola, and gifts from the kitchen are also very important around the holidays. So we've got candy cane sugar cookies in a jar. They're beautiful. Go to AnnaOlson.ca, and um, I'm going to tantalize you with at least two things that are on this month's featured recipes. Carrot cake sandwich cookies. I'm guessing that's cream cheese icing in between the Oh, you better believe cookies. it. <laughs> and spinach, mushroom, and Parmesan squares. I don't like spinach, but I think mm-hmm. I would be eating those. Anna Olson, real one. quick, where are you going to be tonight? I'm going to be at McNally Robinson, 7 o'clock, and I would love to see you there and have you ask me a baking or cooking question. I would have said the bacon parmesan gougere. Mm-hmm. I, oh, so my French it's, is terrible. It's a bacon cream puff. Oh, I fantastic. Just, I bacon. I'm like, why did you mention the bacon one third? Because I was scared about gougere. <laughs> it goes bacon and everything else. That's how it goes. <laughs> Seven forty nine. That is the Winnipeg Blue Great Bomber song. fight song. And so when we play that, you know what it means? We're gonna fight. We're not gonna fight. Bob <laughs> Irving's on the line. That's what it means. The voice of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. One o'clock Sunday pregame coverage gets underway here on six eighty CJB three thirty uh, with the anthem and all that stuff. Bob, what about a three thirty eight Winnipeg time kickoff from McMahon Stadium? That sounds about right, Greg. Could we start it right now? I'd love to start it right now. So set for this game. We are taking callers today, 40 of them throughout the day. We've already taken five. People are calling in with their predictions. And to no one's surprise, really, the first five callers, Bob, have predicted a very close game, and all five were wise enough, in my opinion, to pick the Blue Bombers. Why will the If the Winnipeg Blue Bombers win on Sunday, why will they win? Well, let me say this. The last two years, the Bombers have been in the playoffs, and if they were to play Calgary in either of those two years, I wouldn't have liked their chances. But this year, I do like their chances, and I like their chances because I believe their defense is better than it was the last two years. You'll recall, Greg, in that Edmonton semifinal game last year, all the busted plays in the back end, and the game they lost in B.C. in 2016, they scored 30-some points but gave up more than that 
And again, it was breakdowns on defense that absolutely killed them. So I think their defense has improved enough to give them a chance to beat Calgary on the road this weekend, and they'll have to play their best game of the year. Uh, they're going against an outstanding quarterback and a very good offense that's healthy now after suffering with all sorts of injuries during the second half of the season. The Stampeders are pretty much healthy now. So I look to the Bomber defense, and of course the offense and special teams will have to play a role. That goes without saying. But I think an improved defense gives them a chance to get to the Grey Cup game. Bob, you know, if we talk about how we were chatting with you in August and sort of the stress that fans had and the team had and even talk about, you know, should we try a different quarterback? Because I think it was four in a row we had lost. And now here we are uh, in the Western final. I mean, what what shifted along the way or was it just a run of bad luck? Well, they went through a period, uh, Loren, that I guess you could call it a slump if you want, and they certainly didn't get any breaks in that four-game losing streak. The two losses to Saskatchewan, I still recall them vividly, where the Bombers played well enough to win both those games, but turned the ball over. And what turned it around? Well, I think what turned it around to a large degree was Mike O'Shea simply saying, we're not going to do anything dramatic. We're not going to panic. We're going to stay the course. We have good players. We have a good quarterback. Things will turn if we, and I hate this cliche, but if we stick to the process. And that's what the Bombers have done. And I give O'Shea a tremendous amount of credit for that. It would have been easy to to change players, to you know make changes to the lineup. But he said, no, no, that's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to stay with this team. These players are good enough. It's just not working for them for whatever reason. And it began working for them. And so... Uh, Seven games later, they've won six of them, and here we go off to Calgary for the West Final. These teams are so evenly matched. I'll just give you a couple stats. You've got them memorized, I'm sure, Bob. But the Bombers lead the league in points scored at 30.6 points per game. Calgary second at 29 points per game. The two teams are the one-two teams in terms of stingiest defense. Calgary's only surrendered 20.2 points per game. The Bombers 23.3. And they're dead even in terms of forced turnovers and that all-important turnover ratio, plus 13. The Bombers are taken and the Stampeders are taking the ball away 13 times more than they've given it away. Uh, those are very important statistics, all three of them in my mind. Yes, they are, Greg. I, I agree totally. There's uh, not a lot to choose between these two teams in a, a lot of those statistical metrics you talked about. I guess the one area where the Bombers really are inferior to Calgary is in the, the kick coverage, especially the kickoff coverage. And that uh, I can't get that out of my head as I look back to the game in Saskatchewan last weekend. The Bombers just had, did a deplorable job of covering kickoffs. And Calgary has good returners. And so that's an area where Winnipeg is really going to have to brush things up. Now, I think they will. I, they can certainly do it better than they did last weekend. But you're right. Statistically, boy, there's not a lot to choose between these teams. And that's what makes for such an attractive matchup and such a compelling matchup on Sunday. Don't you have an saying about statistics, statistics uh, or something? You know, I mean, we can have all the numbers in the world. But yeah. it, it comes... Numbers don't lie. Statistics are for losers. There you go. Yeah. So come Sunday, uh, what do you, and based on what you've been hearing in the locker room this week, I mean, much of it is about uh, being in the right headspace too and not being too nervous. And that whole thing we've been hearing all week long, one and oh, we just want to go one and oh this week. Are they just saying that or is that really the feeling in the locker room? No, that's the way they approach things, Loren. The one thing that I think the theme that really sticks out to me on this team is how much 
the players care for each other, the camaraderie that they have. You know, we hear about this good locker room all the time. Well, this locker room here is beyond good. Uh, you know, these guys truly, truly care for one another. At least they all say that. And so why wouldn't we believe it? it I'm sure it's true. And, and they believe that that can make a difference for them. That, uh, you know, the fact that the guy next to you, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd jump uh, off a building for him. They think that can make a difference. Now, I'm sure the Stampeders would tell you that their room is the same. But this is the one theme that I keep hearing out of the Bomber locker room. And even this week, you know, players like Jermarcus Hardrick, who are very emotional players, it's, uh, I want to win this game for the guys, for the guys I, I go to battle with every week. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if that sort of mentality and togetherness and camaraderie, camaraderie can carry the day because the Bombers believe it can. First time since 2001 these two teams have met in a playoff game. That, of course, was the 0-1 Grey Cup, and we all know how that one turned out. We've got a lot on the line here, Bob. We've got a bet with our friends out in Calgary at <laughs> QR77, Gord and Sue. And, uh, well, if we lose, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you with us to pay off the debt. We're going to 529 Wellington, but we got to wear red and white. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I could do that. Well, I could wear red and white. If it was green, it would be really hard, Greg. But <laughs> I, could pro- I could probably handle red and white. <laughs> hey, 30, 30 seconds here, Bob. Today is the 2018 Radiothon of Hope and Healing, St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. People can donate 204-237-7647, stboniface.ca. 30 seconds. You haven't spent any time at St. Boniface Hospital, have you? Oh, a little bit. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there some. It's a great place. We get uh, wonderful medical care here, and I can speak to it. I've I've gone through it more than once, and uh, I can't say enough about uh, the people who uh, you know do that in our province. Yeah, we can talk all we want about the technology, but it's the people and the and the quality of care that they give there that we we really going to focus on this well, morning. Fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, as I always say, as good of a broadcaster Bob Irving is, he's equally wonderful a person. Bob, thanks as always for your time, and uh, look forward to speaking to you on Sunday. You bet, Greg. Thanks, Lauren. Calgary residents went to the polls this past week to vote on whether or not they wanted to foot the bill on a possible Winter Olympics bid. Yeah, and now we know the cost, and we've known for years now, the cost of hosting any Olympic Games is now in the billions of dollars. And so when the ballots were all counted, Calgary was clear they're not ready to pay up for the privilege of bringing the Olympics to that province. And after that resounding no, which was you know not just covered here in, in Calgary and across Canada, but in the United States as well, a lot of people watching to see what Calgary would do. And then the following question, do the Olympics have a problem? Are the Games the ultimate, really, in sport, in peril. It's all up for debate on one of our favorite podcasts called This Is Why, and it airs right here on CJOB. Joining us now is its host, Nikki Reitmeiner. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning, guys. I'd love to ask you this question, and I'd love to know what your listeners would say as well when asked this question. If Winnipeg had the chance to put in a bid on the Olympic Games, would you want Winnipeg to do it? Would you be ready to foot the bill in order to have the glory of the Olympics come to Winnipeg? Yes. And Nikki, um, I have a modified yes. I've been touting since the 2016 <laughs> Summer Olympics. Some of our listeners are probably tired of this by now. But the idea that for the Summer Games, that six or seven cities in Canada could combine their efforts and host the Summer Games. And I think that Calgary should have engaged Edmonton, 
Winnipeg. They were already engaged with Whistler and made it a Western Canada Winter Games because this has become far too big a tab for one city. We have a 15,000-seat arena that would have been perfect for curling. It would have taken some pressure off of Calgary in order to build a facility for that. Edmonton has a beautiful hockey arena. I mean, they could have been even more inventive with this bid for the Olympics and shown the the IOC a new way of doing this. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting that you guys, you know, had some varying answers on this because I don't think that there's necessarily a, a wrong answer to the question and it's something that everybody has an opinion on. I think that trying to find a way to balance those costs is a really reasonable way to look at it too because God knows it's insanely expensive now to host the Olympics, whether it's the Summer Olympics, whether it's the Winter Olympics. I think a lot of people in Calgary got a bit scared of what happened in Seoul in South Korea because the cost of the Olympics there was so inflated by billions and billions of dollars. It's no surprise that more and more cities are getting a little bit gun shy when it comes to hosting the games. I mean, you can add Calgary to a long list. Rome, Boston, Bern, uh, Toronto, Oslo, Hamburg. Those are all cities in recent years who've gone, yeah, you know, we're not so interested in having the games. And then, of course, you and your listeners might remember Denver back in 1976, famously rejecting the games after they were already awarded them once they found out about a 300% increase in costs. Now, interesting, the games are actually supposed to go to Canada after that, to Whistler, who also went, yeah, not right now. We're okay, too. So it's interesting that, well, the trend isn't necessarily brand new. It does seem to be continuing to grow. Yeah, and I think when I say yes to them, it's because I would never want to see the the games die and I, or die out yeah, but i definitely absolutely. think there's room to do it differently and have a serious conversation because it you know it started it it's not just the cost i think there's been also questions just about the people who are in charge at the helm um you know uh, what kind of politics might be at play in fighting maybe even corruption sometimes when it comes to these sort of things and so what, what are we doing like what what is the future of this what what how can we fix this Well, I don't think you're alone in saying yes. So there is still a a large portion of the population that will continue to say, yeah, we want to keep the games alive and we want to host the games. So, you know, the games are until 2028. They they have host cities. So that'll continue for some time into the future. But, you know, it was so interesting. I spoke to John Furlong. He is the former president of VANOC, which is the Vancouver Olympic Organizing Committee. And he's also the recently retired chair of on the podium, which is Canada's Olympic athlete development program. And he said, look, I love the Olympics. I'm a fan of the Olympics. However, losing Calgary is a big deal to the IOC because this is a city that should have been on board all the way, that should have eaten up the chance to host the Olympics. And they balked at that opportunity. So he said this should be a big wake-up call to the IOC. He said that means they need to make serious changes to restore the Olympic image to its former glory. Listen to this. I have to say that losing Calgary is kind of a big deal. Losing them will be noticed, and I think the IOC today will probably feel this is quite a big loss. This has to be settled somehow, and it's a shame because there was a time when it had a beautiful glow to it, and we all really kind of look forward to the time where the world seemed to stand still for a bit and we could all kind of feel this sense of humanity that kind of oozed from the Olympic Games. Right now it's kind of shaking a bit at the seams. 
John Furlong, the former head of the Vancouver Olympic Committee. Nikki Reitmeyer is our guest. Nikki, uh, when can we uh, catch the podcast? Is it up now? It's officially online now, so you can uh, catch it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And of course, it's all free. And you can also catch us on the weekends, too, playing on CJB. All right, Nikki, thank you so much for this. And just subscribe, and then that way, when it's up and ready, it'll right be there. in your inbox, and you'll be ready to just hit play. Nikki Reitmeyer, always great to catch up with you. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. We will have a great weekend. Scott McTaggart, future. Oh, let me start that again. Scott McTaggart, the Fusion <laughs> Grill, joining us in studio now, speaking too quickly. And we just want to set this up with this because we, we're here to talk about something and we said off air, okay, so we're talking about environmental sustainability in a restaurant and Scott said something super interesting and so I just want to, if, if I walked in and ordered something at your restaurant and, and you were like saying, oh, we're very into the environment and sustainability, what was the image that people would have thought of two decades ago? Well, it's funny because uh, two decades ago, I think that, well, not I think, I know, because we did it. I mean, when we talked about sustainability and we talked about being environmentally friendly, you know, people sort of looked, would look at us like, well, what are, what are we going to get there? Are we going to get like beans and, you know, we're going to have salad, kale. And, uh, you know, the guys may walk around in flip-flops smoking a hookah pipe or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and uh, sort of a hippie-ish sort of kind of an image where, whereas today... <clears throat> Younger uh, consumers, the market uh, where it is right now, absolutely are making buying decisions based upon, you know, are you or have sustainable practices in your restaurant or what are you doing to sort of minimize the impact on our, our planet, right? And, and what's, good for, uh, what's good for all of us, you know, essentially. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're now, we, we've been buying uh, grass-fed beef uh, for, uh, gosh, almost uh, tw- almost 20 years now. And, I mean, you know, the nice thing about grass-fed beef is not only is it tasty and good for you from a healthy standpoint, but, you know, there's no feedlot. Um, so the animals are out in the pasture in the various areas that they, that they eat and hang out. They're spreading the manure around themselves. There's no tractor that has to do that. There's no concentration of it in one specific area and it's just better. It's a natural round process. Uh, and I mean, we're doing other things now like, uh, minimizing our use on paper and it's funny, you know, because still people don't quite get it because you can get your email or your receipt emailed to you or, or text messages to you. But I'll tell you. At at least eight out of 10 people still press that paper receipt button uh, because it's a habit, right? So we're all sort of in this together. We're all sort of trying to figure out how can we sort of uh, um, in our daily habits and things that go out um, leave a a smaller impact. I mean, for crying out loud, the stats, 22 million uh, occasions per day that people are going into a restaurant in Canada. And you need to stop and think about the, like if you're at the table and you, you are using paper napkins, uh, is it is it the straws? We talked a lot about straws this year and, and the need to move away or at least to paperless straws, not plastic. I was out for supper the other night and when we took the to-go bag, it was four big styrofoam containers in a plastic bag. And I said, oh, I just, you could have put it all in one uh, but I never thought to say that to the restaurant, and then I never thought after, what's the restaurant supposed to do? What's the alternative maybe even to that packaging? Well, this is the big challenge for us, too, because uh, we're looking for ways. We're looking for what kind of packaging we have. We have single-use packaging. I mean, you, Canadians want to go out, grab a sandwich, grab a bite to eat, grab a drink, and what are we going to put it in? You know, uh, I mean, we have to make sure that 
we research items that are uh, going to go into the landfill and be able to break down properly. A lot of these products that are considered recyclable um, actually don't break down, you know, uh, properly in the, and end up just kind of floating around improperly in the landfill or not in the best interest of, of the landfill. But I do have to say that in Canada, we are way ahead of our, uh, our big brother down south uh, in terms of restaurants um, doing uh, recycling, um, recycling grease, recycling paper products, uh, glass, that type of thing. And I think that's due to the mun- municipalities that we have because we're really uh, um, uh, very far ahead and uh, being able to work with our various level of governments is is super important uh, to be able to, you know, move forward and, you know, leave a nice green footprint. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.